Naturopathic Podcast, TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. I've got some really exciting stuff today. I've got a new podcast co-host, first of all. And she's super smart and super fun. Like, what more do you want? Right? We got Michelle Bovega here again. Thanks, Michelle. Hello, hello. It's nice. Nice to be part of the team. Yes. Well, it is a team. We got, uh, we have a really exciting sort of guest. Do do we call you a guest? Yeah, we say we have a really exciting guest today. Um, I was going to call him Dr. Dave Nelson, but I can't because he's still a student. He's an ND candidate. Uh, He's about 1% away from graduating as an ND. And he's also had about uh, 10 other lives before becoming a naturopath. <laughs> so um, Dave is a really interesting guy and he's a lot smarter than me and I can't wait to get smarter just listening to him. Uh, and Dave's passion is planetary health. So this one's uh, very, very important uh, for naturopaths in particular, but everyone who's living on this planet um, because it doesn't get much bigger than planetary health. Um, so I'm not even going to attempt to introduce Dave Nelson, because it's a very circuitous route that has led to us (laughs) listening to Dave on the podcast, talking about planetary health. So Dave Nelson, thank you so much for showing up on our podcast. It's been a little bit of a a trial getting to lock you down to a time and you had to make some rearrangements. So I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about your story of how you got here in planetary health. It's such a good story. We'll do. So, um, the reason uh, you had a little trouble locking me down is I have a seven month old as of December 15th. Nice, uh, nice. So that's been, and I, I think Dave, you also have a young, a young one as well, Dude, right? So I get yeah. it. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a little crazy. I lost my hair before <laughs> I had this one. So we'll see what happens. I don't have anything to lose, but it's just such a wonderful thing. And having a child has, has made the pursuit of planetary health even more real 
it, it's really crystallized what it is that that I'm doing, learning and reading about and understanding and educating myself in and interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how did I get there? Well, I started at CCNM in 2014. Um, and I to take a little or Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, because then now there's two campuses with Boucher and, and with the Toronto campus. Right. So at the time, there was only the and um, in 2008, I, I had wanted to go there, but my life was complicated. So uh, I took the science prereqs with uh, Dr. Mel Faka back in 08. And then I took some of the, the phys prereqs and stuff that I needed because I have an arts background. I have a degree in religious studies. So, uh, and I, I had a, a couple unofficial minors while, while I was getting that degree, an unofficial <laughs> minor in ancient languages. So that would be Greek and Hebrew, Koine Greek and ancient Hebrew. I had an unofficial uh, minor also in math at the time. I was the only person in the arts faculty that was TAing in the math department. So I was the stats <laughs> TA uh, in a religious studies degree with med students and behavioral science students going through the statistics stream. So, um, and hey, then uh, you got to say where, because you were at you were at University of Waterloo. And, I was at university. Uh, yeah, I was at University of Waterloo when I when I got started in computer science. Yeah, and so uh, that's what that was in nineteen uh, that was in nineteen ninety four. So I wrote the Descartes, which was a math contest way back in the day. I don't know if you remember Ontario Canadian people who were writing those, but it was like the Fermat, the Euclid, and the Descartes. And or so I wrote the Descartes, and I scored in the top two percent in Canada. I think it was well, I know exactly because it was such a momentous moment. But it was why I scored one hundred thirty second <laughs> on the six thousand one hundred eighty. And so that that really was was a thing where I went to Waterloo and I loved it and hated it. It was formal and I was a I was different. I was a different kind of learner and um, I struggled there. So I ended up dropping out, started a computer company, wrote a couple of video games. Um, oh my God. Sold them kind of like internationally, but then that didn't really work out either. So uh, they were called Quadrant Four and you can still find uh, there was one called... Um, more fellow so we took a fellow and we changed the pieces using uh what was 3d studio back then it was really cool and all europeans bought it no north americans uh they were more into strategy games the europeans and so then i i kind of left computer science and i that's when i went into religious studies um as you do 1996 (laughs) yeah totally and um then i realized that that wasn't for me either i I think i at the time i was going to be a minister and got back to Ontario and didn't know what I wanted to do. And my wife at the time saw this ad in the newspaper for personal training and said, Hey, you play a lot of soccer. You're fit. Why don't you apply? Cause I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I became a personal trainer and then I led the As you do. department and then I became the general manager. And then I left that and started my own personal training studio. And then I didn't end up doing that. And I left that behind after two years. And then I got into wellness coaching and then I realized, hey, I, I need to go t- to naturopathic medicine. And I, so I finished off my undergraduate degree, which took me eight years to get a three-year undergraduate degree in religious studies. And now I'm, what, seven years in getting my, what should have been a three and a half, four-year uh, naturopathic medical degree. So I just need to finish up that 1%. So that's kind of how I got there. And then the planetary health angle is, is simply because I met Alan Logan, uh, who is a CCNM grad in 2008 we spoke at the same uh conference thing it was actually at a health food store right in my hometown in woodstock across across town and um 
we maintained a friendship over the years. And when I knew what he was doing, I was like, this is kind of what I maybe thought I was getting in naturopathic medical school. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what got me to planetary health. And then, and then I read a book called Range by David Epstein. And that made everything that was difficult in my life better. And that gets me to this point in time. And, and that book about range was about the rise of the generalist. With all the specialty silos in the world, who connects the dots? Yeah. Who, who's that person? We try. Well, who, 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 who does that? Does it, is it AI? Is it people? Is it whatever? Turned out it's people like me who have this insatiable curiosity for how, how things work and how things are connected in every single way. And then you get to planetary health and you realize it is all connected. Mm-hmm. And then everything changes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm in planetary health. It's the most fascinating thing that I've ever done. And it makes use of my range, uh, which is like, I've been a magician. I was a financial planner. I sold life insurance. Like, I mean, just you could just, it's just crazy. Hold up. Uh, there's, the there's, so we had a magician like, in there and we yeah. also, you're going to be a priest. Like yeah, your yeah, journey yeah. is remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> so in what it, what it is in the book range, you'll find that it's called sampling. That's what I was doing. I was sampling and it's like, ah, oh, that's not quite it. Sampling. That's not quite it. Sampling. It's not quite it. And when you're making a soup, it's very much like this. A soup with only two ingredients. Isn't like, I don't know. But if you have that robust soup where you've tried a whole bunch of things and it's, it's got just the right amount in it, uh, it's a delicious soup. And that's what we kind of want to do. You don't eat singular ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what a silo is in science. It's a singular ingredient. Mm-hmm. I, I need all of those together to, to understand what I'm doing, how I'm nourishing myself. I think of that as like the symphony. I remember reading some analogy too. If you just play one note, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. nothing, but you put a bunch yeah. of notes together and they have to combine together and it makes something extremely beautiful. And I think that, you know, I, I saw that analogy. I don't remember where I read it, but I thought that was so wonderful. It might've been like a Joe Dispenza book or something that I have. Well, and, and if you, if it was Joe Dispenza, that's, that sounds like something he would say. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's, those things are actually really important now. Um, to recognize uh, and to interact with. This is really cool. Uh, the rise of the generalist because I've I've actually I feel like just like a less uh, maybe a less uh, competent uh, sufferer of the same uh, curiosity as you, Dave. And I've actually thought sometimes like it, it's it's this. I find a lot of wisdom is paradoxical in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like to know the whole, you have to know the parts. To know the parts, you have to know the whole. That that sort of thinking. And there's been times I'm like, man, I'm so glad I went into like a more gut focus in my practice. Uh But then at other times, am I ever bloody glad that I know this little thing about that little thing? And, Uh you know, I read that book on archetypes and I was able to talk, you know, like it's, 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 it's paradoxical almost. So can you speak a little bit more about that generalist? Can, can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, yeah. So what the generalist is, so, uh, you know, I'll use David Epstein as a, a, an example in his book as an example of why naturopathic medicine initially had such profoundly um, amazing outcomes. And uh, I do need to poke the profession and say, you need to, you know, get back on the horse and start riding this again, because you you don't know everything. And you're leading yourself into a false sense of security. 
Um, but early on, we understood that the system plays a phenomenal role in the outcome. And the system is multidisciplinary, and it's all those micro things in a person's life that provides value to the outcome. And we really did a good job with that. What we didn't do a good job with was keeping pace with learning how to fine tune and optimize those things. And that's actually what science has gone and done now. And as they've, they've been digging, what they found was an incredibly interdependent network in your gut. Mm -hmm. And this is the seat of planetary health for human beings uh, exists in their microbiome. It's one of the first responders to, uh, and we need to start using some, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some language that we need to mutually understand in naturopathic medicine and, and at large, allostatic load and the exposome. Mm -hmm. We need to know those and they, we need to be fluent with our understanding of that and homeostasis and hormesis. Um, because that tells us what our resiliency is. How effective are you in being resilient to the external environment? And then there's another one, and it's being resilient to the internal environment. That's the internal dialogue of self. And, uh, you know, so I'll tell you two things about planetary health right now that I lectured on in, in 2019, and I just did, um, I'm, I'm usually a chair for the sessions. And so what that means is at the end, there's about 150 scientists on there, and we all just I help everybody connect the dots. That's what I, it's what I do. And so the two things that I presented on um, were the first is pre-sleep arousal and cellular phone use, for example. So what this, this is where I'm going on the inner ecosystem here. Mm -hmm. When you use your phone before you go to bed, studies show, number one, you don't have the best, you don't have as good a sleep. Okay, that's one. And that's in the multi-stages of sleep. Um, number two, you get something called pre-sleep arousal for about 90 minutes. And number three, the next morning, you get unwanted and intrusive thoughts. So this is the inner, this is the inner world because our brains are not, the tone isn't low enough for them to do the repair necessary. And they're always in a state of constant stress. Okay. So that's the homeostatic control system has to go up. That's when you see high cortisol, you know, that the long-term stress effects have been there. Um, so that's, that's a good example. Is that uh, pre-sleep arousal, Dave? Is that, is that independent of blue light? Yeah, actually it turns out that it is independent of blue light because it's the active engagement. It is not the light itself. That's a really good question, Dave. And so everybody thinks it's blue light and they put on their blue blockers and no, you need a behavioral change in you, which is put the fucking phone down. Yeah. Like you've got to do that. <laughs> yeah. And because you can't, if anyone who's ever seen the social network, there's two things there in the social network, which are incredibly important. The guy that designed the algorithm said, I know I have the phone in my hand. I designed the algorithm and I don't want to put it down. And I know what it's doing to me. That's number one. And number two, it's the quote from Lanier that says this, because he's talking about what social media is. And he said, it's a slight imperceptible changes in your thoughts and perceptions, right? It's the slight imperceptible changes in your thoughts and perceptions. That's the product. It's a behavioral changer, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the things about the engagement of social media. That's really important because it activates parts of the brain that delay the onset of sleep. It doesn't allow the brain. Remember what sleep is. Sleep is a, a time where you de-arouse the system for repair. It's an active process. 
and we just happen to be need to be unconscious for it and we don't know why that is yet that's still there's a hard problem of consciousness there that we don't we don't we don't understand yet but it's clear to us that there's multiple things happening here mm -hmm. so and then it's the microbiome so you start talking about the microbiome and i'll give you a really good example the microbiome is linked structurally and strategically to mental health in a way now where impulsivity is linked to the microbiome we're now going we've had this biochemical model of behavior and we didn't know that the dark matter in the gut was actually where all of this stuff is coming from yeah and so those are other good examples about planetary health so now you look at dysbiosis remember as science as doctors we use this word dysbiosis but do people know what it means in the original language life in distress mm -hmm. the dysbiosis in your gut is a pattern of the dysbiosis in the external world if you had good gut dysbiosis then your behavior then changes the way that you interface with the world these are all planetary health and by the way if anybody's listening and they're thinking like you know do i have research for this the answer is 1000% yes and we just had 150 speakers from around the world in 10 sessions who said 1000% these things are structurally true for human behavior, for outcomes, for disease. Like we had Tyler Van Veel on there who is from Harvard. He is the world's flourishing expert. And when we're talking about patients, we're really talking about we want them to flourish. We don't, it's not the absence of disease, it's the presence of vitality that we've forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. We want to be that vibrant, like wake up. I want and that's what people up. want, Dave. That's right. what people want. You want to wake want up in anyway. the morning and you're like, today is the day. I, mm -hmm. I, I am going to own today because, and here's the other layer now. I need to enter the world with compassionate and empathetic inquiry. Too many people are conquering the world and not collaborating with it. And that's the other layer of planetary health. Yep. And so the patient in your visit feels conquered. They don't feel collaborated with. And now you who have a time to listen to their story and now collaborating in a world where they feel inundated. And that's where you go allostatic load again. What's in their exposome in the allostatic load that they have to be resilient to? And then how can I change? How can I help them be resilient? and then go from resiliency to thriving. Okay, because human beings, let's talk about what is climate change? Human beings behaving badly. And why do human beings behave poorly? Because they got bad diets, they're not moving, they're unslept, uh, they don't have good social relationships, they're not turning the engine down in their mind, and they'd have no relationship with the outdoors. It's no mm -hmm. wonder we're behaving badly. Mm -hmm. What is like... So when you talk about, I want to go back to the sleep one, because I think that's a big one. I think the microbiome is a really big deal, but I think a lot of people who are just not practitioners could probably find ways to adapt their sleep behavior without taking mm. a pill or seeing a professional about that. So what are some of the things that you would recommend to, I'm be glad that, to improve the sleep? I'm glad that you, are, uh, that you brought that up. So number one, I'd read the book by Matthew Walker, which provides so good. a good foundational, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah it's so just good. why we need sleep. New York Times bestseller, you got to read it and follow, <laughs> look, read, watch some of his podcasts. Like the guy really laid the groundwork on why sleep's necessary. 
Now, last year, Harvard really, so this all comes full circle, and I'm glad you mentioned the microbiome, Michelle, because so I'm going to bring it back to sleep for you. Harvard last year did a trial in an animal model, and they looked at um, the multi-organ system in an unslept um, fruit fly, okay? And I'm just going to pose it to both of you. One organ had at least 10x on the inflammation, not inflammation, reactive oxygen species, after one night of short and unsleep, uh, un, they were unslept or short slept. What organ was it? Mm, uh, I'm gonna risk looking bad, but I'm gonna say the brain. Yeah, and that that's what I thought too, okay? Right, and but that's, is it gonna I, be the colon and the microbiome? It is the gut. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So the gut had hyperinflammation. Now I'm going to stitch it all together for you. So then you feel like crap in the morning. Mm -hmm. And what do you reach for? Because you're tired. Coffee. Yeah. So what's coffee? sugary a croissant? <laughs> what's coffee? Because coffee is the most beverage. Yeah, right. It's a stimulant, yeah. but it's something else. It's loaded in what? It's rich in polyphenols, which yeah, are antioxidants. antioxidants. So then you're treating the pro-oxidative state of the gut with coffee that's where mm -hmm. the benefit comes from folks it's actually not from necessarily the stimulatory effect of it it's from what it's doing in the microbiome and when you're taking it mm. right cool and now what's really interesting is the nafl d which is where a lot of that six cups of coffee a day research has come from uh and the nafl d there's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease turns out that that might be how coffee's helping with nafl d is through certain shaping of the microbiome because the well, microbiome seems to be the player for NAFLD now. Props to coffee, guys. <laughs> so then what did I start doing? I started to take a greens plus or a greens in the morning with some chia. Because after I read the research, I looked at what they gave in response to the insomnia. And they gave three things. They gave melatonin. They gave ALA, alpha lipoic acid. And, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the other thing. Quercetin, I think. Mm. I think it was quercetin, melatonin, and LA, I think something like that. And that worked. So I thought, okay, well, where can I do, how can I do this in the real world? So I started to take, um, I started to take greens in the morning after a night of short sleep. Wow, do you feel different? Mm. And it is profoundly moving. I found the jet lag and insomnia fix. This is it. So this is how coffee works, but it's without the jitter. You get clean energy from that and you're actually treating the root cause of why you feel that way and that's gut inflammation and remember when you have gut inflammation what happens there is you get tight junction problems so now you have intestinal permeability and a new study has found that lpss so lipopolysaccharides which is what we're all concerned about they have subtypes on the tails that actually cause different types of inflammation when it comes into the body so there's so much going on in the gut and it is really the dark matter of the universe inside of ourselves and uh, a lot of planetary health is cross-sectional with the microbiome because the soil inside of us is just the soil out there right that's the dirt that's just out there right that's what l plantarum lactobacillus plantarum we say plantarum because it's a ubiquitous soil microbiome you're speaking to two gut loving NDs here. So, yeah, right. Well, a lot of what we do. Yeah. I love it. And so give it more. I mean, I often tell my clients this too. And I was like, okay, cool. So, maybe you've acquired a parasite. Maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff inhabiting your body that shouldn't. But what left you so vulnerable to that in the first place? We don't just get sure. rid of the pathogen, we still have to create that resilience. And it's all yeah. that mental, emotional, sleep, behavioral, nutritional, all of that stuff is going to play a role in that. I have a quick question well, follow up about the ALA. Yeah. 
Does that mm -hmm. also have a, because I know that does play a role in blood sugar regulation. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of people's blood sugar regulation is well, goofy and that wakes them up at night too. Do you think that, was there any reason for the ALA that you can remember? Well, you, you raise a good question. And then I would pose a, so I sometimes do this so we can reach, it can know more understanding. Why does ALA lower blood pressure or uh, lower blood sugar? That, that's the question. And we've mm -hmm. forgotten this in naturopathic medicine. So I'm just going to digress a little bit and I'll come right back. Mm -hmm. We've become a this for that profession, and we need to get back to not being a this for that profession. Mm -hmm. And when I say this for that, it's like cinnamon for blood sugar, and it's like ashwagandha mm -hmm. for stress, and it's like this for that. You know, those plants need so much more respect from us because they contain microRNAs, they contain bacteria actually in the leaves. These are the ways that it informs the microbiome. And we use words like demulcent, but now I want to know what that means now. Right? Demulsion so, to caress. Yeah, right. But when I say, or when I, say, I actually know that one. Like that. So, um, but what I That's mean amazing. is, we use it as a description, but we don't know the, we don't know what's happening under the hood. And, and this was the part that always, I, I always wondered like, it's like, great, you're giving peppermint for that, but how does it do that? And no one could really answer. We're starting to get those answers now. It's just that it was really hard to get the answers because the science is very complex okay. uh, in the microbiome. So to answer your question, yeah. um, it's hard. And I'll, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why it's hard. It's because there's a lot we know, there's a lot we don't know. Totally. Um, but it looks like there is going to be a whole bunch of overlapping things that potentially play a role here. So I, I, I'm not intentionally being evasive. Um, it's just that it's hard to put finger on any particular thing other than there are ways to beat this. And, and when I say beat it, I mean, you can shortcut the whole thing. And that's like real food. Real food is the shortcut. Real sleep uh, is a shortcut. And then meaningful movement is a shortcut. Uh, and then that seems to heal the gut and you can get a, a balance going on there in the microbiome. Yeah, that's, you know, that kind of thinking, though, it seems to make a lot of the binary black or white, this or that thinking of this world. It's any very binary, right? Doctor, yeah, any naturopathic doctor that's ever treated patients has used the same herb for vastly different conditions. And you have to ask yourself why that works. Mm. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's likely the microbiome. There's something there. If you want to write this down, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe you don't need to write it down because you know about it, but I, I just, some people always ask me after it's like exosome like nanoparticles. If you it's, it's E L N's. So exosome like nanoparticles are vesicles that are in plants uh, that contain three things, micro RNAs, peptides, and lipids. And when they go into the microbiome, so we, so, so we eat the food and it goes into our gut. And those three things are informing the microbiome about what to do with the macronutrients or what to do with the micronutrients or, or creating a narrative and a story. So Michelle, to go back to your symphony, this is precisely what's happening in the gut. It's that, and, and, and what happens when everybody just starts playing their own music and they're not following, you know, whatever, it's chaos and noise and it doesn't make sense and you get gas and bloating and, and people aren't playing together nicely in the playground of your gut. Um, but when you send the information in there, which is the polyphenols, the condensed tannins, it's the microRNAs, it's the exosome-like nanoparticles, it's the thing in food. You know, and, and just to pause, new scientists actually, uh, I think it was last year, they had a cover that showed food, 99% dark matter food. 
Mm. Like we've done food the greatest disservice on the face of the earth. It's so infinitely complex and its interface with our biology is so complex. Like we need to be humble about what that is and about what the microbiome's doing for us. But it's what, do, what do you mean right? when you say this food is 99% dark matter for the, yeah. what yeah. does that so, mean? So that's the thing. Let me ask you, how many compounds are in an orange? <laughs> no right. idea. Right. So how many compounds are in curcumin or sorry, turmeric? <laughs> How many compounds are in turmeric? A lot more than curcumin. A lot more than curcumin. <laughs> and then you got to ask yourself even a more difficult question. Why do we need delivery systems for curcumin? Why is it so difficult for it to get into the body? Because mm-hmm. it's missing those Is it compounds. missing anything or is the body keeping it out for a reason? Mm-hmm. Right? So, and it informs the microbiome. So when you take a full spec herb, so I'm, I'm going to go, I can go medical and natural here because I think they're both necessary. Mm-hmm. You can ultra dilute, uh, sorry, not ultra dilute. Uh, you can concentrate things like curcumin and give it to somebody and bypass like, you know, physiological barriers of, 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 of uh, absorption. You can eat full, full spec turmeric. They're both going to have different reasons. One is like the turmeric, you want to incorporate that into a person's lifestyle. But when you reach a certain point, you may need a strategic and high dose of something like that's very true. Vitamin A would be a good example. Vitamin D, somebody comes in and their vitamin D is 20. What are you going to do? You're going to strategically give them a high orthomolecular dose. Uh Uh, But we need to teach people to live so that they don't need strategic high orthomolecular doses. And so that's where the other side of the full spec food comes in. Um, So when I say real food and 99% dark matter, I'm like, what are all the polyphenols, condensed tannins, and other chemicals in food that I don't know about? Because I guarantee you the microbiome is interfacing with those things and drawing information from it and changing the way that it does. There's three kind of things that happen in the gut. There's quorum sensing. So quorum sensing, if you want the info on this, it's Barbara Blazer, I believe. She did a TED Talk on a Hawaiian blue-nosed squid, I think it's called. And the squid has a vibrio bacteria in it Uh, that when it reaches quorum will become bioluminescent and it lights up the sea floor so the squid can feed. It's a truly symbiotic relationship. And so this is what gave scientists insight into quorum sensing. And actually um, I had, I was reading a paper this morning. If, if, if you don't mind, I'll, uh, I'll just pull it up right now. It's called, uh, yeah, it's called uh, gossip in the gut. Quorum Sensing, a new player in the host microbiota interactions published in World Journal, uh, the, the World Journal of Gastroenterology. So there are some big journals getting big pieces like this. I'll give you an example. Gastroenterology, the journal Gastroenterology, November 2021, uh, just did a big piece on carboxymethylcellulose, which is a, a commercially available global emulsifier showing disastrous disastrous effects in the gut Hmm. so leading to intestinal permeability and changes in alpha and beta biodiversity in the gut this changes behavior and it critically induces disease risk that's the problem and then when you start to look at all the things now where the gut seems to be an interplayer and the gut is really the cross the gut really is the intersection of the exposome if i can put it that way what the what the heck does exposome mean it's, yeah. it's the exposure zone. What are you exposed to? And so like is your it environment? Yeah, your environment. 
So is it is it pollution? So pollution is it the sound of airplanes? Um, is it crime? Is it uh, a safe neighborhood that's walkable? Do you have green space in your neighborhood? Do you live in a high rise apartment building? What are your colors like? What food did you eat? Do you have access to a grocery store? Did you go for a walk? That's all exposome. It's all the threats where you have to mount a stress response. Hey, anything you need to mount a stress response for or change your homeostatic control system through a hormetic response, mm-hmm. that is considered the exosome. Anything outside of you that affects your stress response. Okay. And then allostatic load then is how much of that can you handle, right? And then that's your resiliency. So how resilient are you? So what we find uh, when we start to look at all will bring these together and naturopathic medicine needs to do a bit better here is that wealthy people by and large are more resilient. They have better biodiversity in their gut microbiomes. They have less tight junction issues. Uh, They tend to sleep better. They have better safety scores, et cetera, et cetera. So these are the healthocracies that we've created. And when we understand that stress in and of itself, the stress of poverty in and of itself leads to comorbidities of disease. We, we have a lot to contend with in naturopathic medicine, so we can start to look at the world in a different way. And when we start to look at the world in that totally interdependent, now we have a place to talk about pesticides. Now we have a place to talk about mind-body medicine. Now we have a place to talk about things like why real food really matters, behavior, mm-hmm. stress, sleep. We have a place to talk about this now, and that place is planetary health because every single thing matters. Like, it really does. Okay, so I, everything matters. I, mm-hmm. This is this is something probably Michelle and I struggle with too, because you only got so much time to try and help people, yeah. whatever. If everything matters, yeah. It, it, again, it's like that paradoxical thing where okay, everything does matter, but what do we have to focus on first? What's like the? I use yeah. the analogy of like where do we pry something? Where do we pry it open? Yeah. So so when I was at CCM, so you know, recently being in school as an naturopathic doctor. But coming from a background where I was doing a lot of this stuff already, it gave me a very interesting um, perspective because I knew a lot of the techniques of motivational interviewing and all those other things before. And so what I did is I I kind of put together uh, the answer to your question. I called it NESMO, N-E-S-S-M-O, nutrition, exercise, sleep, social connection, meditation, outdoor exposure. And so then I'd present that to my patients uh, and I'd say, where do you want to start? Do you have the ability to do this meaningful movement in the E section or do you want to tackle food? Because here's the thing about it that is difficult. Every single thing takes time and education for people that don't know. If you don't know how to cook, you have to kind of learn how to do that. If you don't have uh, preparation frameworks in your house, and it's always chaos around meals, you will struggle with that nutrition one. Um, if you if you work shift work, sleep is going to be the difficult one for you because you're always going to be in circadian flux. So where do you want to start? And then I just remind everybody that my I feel the best place to start if they ask me, I feel the best place to start is either with sleep or treating the gut if sleep is an issue. And then let's get that stable first, either through some real food and some greens. Um, But I want to do that first. And then I start to, you know, move towards 
teaching them about holism and a lifestyle that they can actually live. This is the point. You're teaching people how to live, not just treating them. And so that that actually is the docere here. And again, I'm going to, you know, say naturopathic doctors, let's live up to the things we're talking about. The root cause, listen, guys, come on, the root cause, we delude ourselves on the root cause. Let's get real about root causes, right? Let's get real about docere. Let's get real about teaching people because where we live depends on it. Mm-hmm. We all need to feel loved, accepted, supported, and that allows us to become vibrant, blossoming human beings that treat each other well and with compassion. And then I've that had a tough time. Good. I've had a tough time with the root cause. I don't know. Maybe it's from reading too much metaphysics and stuff. I'm like, root cause, really? That's that's pretty bold to think that you can actually <laughs> get to that. Yeah, but then what? What I would say when I say root cause is that. As naturopathic doctors, we lay claim to root cause medicine, but the Mm -hmm. person sitting across from you is likely potentially maybe in poverty or a bad relationship with a spouse. These are metaphysically intangible things. That is what I'm talking about in terms of root cause. And so we don't even have frameworks to discuss those things properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, What if someone is living in an environment where they don't have access to real food and they do have microbial dysbiosis that's leading to depression? What's the root cause? Mm -hmm. It's where they live and their access to real food. Right. It's layered. It's layered. It's layered. layered. And I often tell clients too, I'm like, there's emotional stuff that has to be a part of your journey. You have to. Always. And I refer out because I'm like, that's not my role. I can't do that. Right. Yeah. But I'm always referring up to at people least, you like know, it's there. Yeah. Yes. And, and I don't think people realize. And I always say we're more than just a physical body. We're emotional bodies, we're energetic bodies. Yeah. All of that has to come together for things to work cohesively. So I really like what you're saying. It's just sometimes I find the real challenge is when people um, we live in a very broken world in a lot of different ways, which leads people down the spiral of like their health falling apart, their mental, emotional status falling apart and not taking care of those basic foundational things that you've spoken about, like sleep, exercise, movement, outdoors, good food, that kind of stuff. The system is pretty much broken, has led to a lot of things that that allows for that too. And it's hard sometimes when people come into the office and there's so much going on Uh and getting them to see the connections of that or getting them to understand that they have a responsibility with why they are where they are too. It's a tough one. And then, and then they do have a responsibility. And then the switch, of course, is do they have the ability to respond? Totally. That's and then that is that. What, what's the social network that have to allow people the ability to um, take some time to get healthier? Because it, it does take a little bit of time and investment, right? It's so planetary health and the people doing this, we're actually, we want to reimagine the world at every single level. That's the point, because the capitalistic, aggressive, driven, conquering world doesn't work. It's not working. It's not working. I don't know if you think it's working. I don't think it's working. No. And so that needs to change. We need to change that. And it comes with heavy shit, Dave. Yeah, I know. I know. But this is this is the (laughs) thing about planetary health. I just, you know, for naturopathic doctors, you guys, we get to sit in front of a patient for so much longer. And I just spent a whole bunch of time with a whole bunch of scientists where I was chairing sessions where MDs, MD, PhDs, they're doing clinical trials. They're seeing patients and they're complaining about the various systems that they're in. 
they know the system's broken. They're desperate for change mm. and they want time. And when we say, you know, well, we have up to 90 minutes or however long you're taking with your patient. Like we had the, 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 um, uh, the director of the American Academy of Pediatrics and, you know, she's talking about their nature initiatives. And that's another thing I, I, I think I should throw out there is that nature medicine is strong. It's robust. It's dose dependent. We have data. There's a book written by Matilda Vandenbosch about the public health implications of planetary health published in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, we should be using this as a foundational textbook in naturopathic medical schools. Uh, and most of the time, uh, I presented this at CCNM actually. So I did a whole presentation to a few of the committees. I presented to the president uh, at the time, asking for curriculum changes to include the very scientific nature stuff. So, and so, and it's so robust now, it's like, we can talk about IL-6 levels. You can talk about amygdala function. You can talk about whatever you want. We got the guy from Finland, Aki Sinkonen, who's done the wash your hands with dirt studies where he shows that when you go outside in the soil, the bacteria that starts in your hand ends up in your gut and it changes how you feel about yourself. So, so good. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, It's heavy and it's big. It's heavy and it's big. Yeah, it's layered that, that's and a it's really complex. good way. That's that's a good way to put it. But it's yeah. also really beautiful, right? Like, because there's there's, but even though there's certain limiting factors, there's still a, there's still a level of control that you have over certain things, and we can make different yeah. choices in our life. And I think it's about helping people realize, even if it's a small choice, it's still a better choice than you did yesterday, right? Yeah. And it's just starting on that microscopic level. And then That's, we can uh, kind of build. James, James Clear, Atomic Habits. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So, Dave, I have, a, I have a sort of like real world example of, I mean, it, it encompasses a little bit of what you're talking about, which, which is, what do we do in a society where it's like sort of normal to go, uh, like, it's kind of conventional doesn't necessarily mean like optimal in our world, yeah. especially like you said, the sort of capitalistic and aggression driven uh, world that we live in, like say, like, like things like buying too many shitty toys for kids for Christmas, or like <laughs> eating a whole bunch of horrific shitty food, because it's culturally sort of normal. And you yeah. don't want to feel like a dickhead when yeah. you because I've been that yeah. dickhead so many times. And then now I got a kid. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be the I don't want this kid to feel like a loser because his dad is like, you know, you know, I don't think it's a great idea for you to eat like 18 pounds of sugar to yeah. celebrate your life or what, whatever. So like, so wild the, what we've normalized. Yeah, do, you, right. do you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like what, what the yeah. hell do we do in those situations? Well, I would suggest that it, it's a, it's actually a really good question. And so structurally, I think that the answer is that you have to understand that you're living in the Anthropocene, but you want to move to the Symbiocene, okay? So the Anthropocene is an egocentric hierarchical model where man, literally, sorry, Michelle, nope, um, man is the thing that makes it happen, right? That's the old model of the, of the world. We've all seen it. It's a very broken model. And so we need an ecocentric model where humans are just somewhere in here in the web, okay? And we need to understand what that is. So the Anthropocene is where we are. We need to go to the Symbiocene. That's where we need to be. That's everybody working together in a constructive and collaborative manner, 
And then the question is, how do we get there? Well, guess what? If human beings disappeared, you instantly have the symbiocene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You instantly have the symbiocene. So what that means is that we're the problem. We're interrupting a full translation into the symbiocene. So we have to change. And we have to become symbionts. We have to learn how to play nice and collaborate with everybody else. And when I say play nice and collaborate, I mean with each other and with things like soil microbiomes and fungal mycelial mats that help trees stay interconnected. Mm. You see? And then who are the top feeders? What are they doing? You want to see flora and fauna in a beautiful explosion of ecosystems? Look at what happened when wolves came back to Yellowstone. I Plants love that came video. Back, right? That is planetary health, right? So what's happening now, it seems like in human health, there are keystone species in the gut that are missing in some people. So that's going to be a linear piece, but you have to have complexity science to understand what that linear piece is going to be. And linear medicine is just, it's kind of over now. We know that it doesn't work and we live in, and I'll go back to your thing, we live in a harmonic system. So we've used linear inputs in harmonic systems for too long. Mm -hmm. The earth itself is a harmonic system. And so we're harmonic systems and we need to understand what that is. And the resonance structures are what doesn't sound good right now, mm -hmm. right? It's like somebody's, out of tune and it's us and we need to change our behavior. And I'm gonna say one last thing as I say this, just cause I am a man, a lot of the world's problems are emotionally unavailable men who don't have the emotional range in order to do things in a way that's equitable and they go to aggression too, too much. We have emotional mismanagement. And I would they're, echo that it's there's an imbalance in both the divine masculine and the divine feminine that we sure, both have yeah. to come to a state of balance because we've both been injured and we're both we both yeah. have trauma and polarized and the pendulum needs to you know we need to yin yang it again yeah mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. well it's it's weird it's a weird time of of i i get i get the feeling because i get triggered by this i feel like there's a anti-masculine Mm -hmm. And again, mm -hmm. masculine archetype, like archetypal masculine, not really biological yeah. males. What I mean, there's like a real crucifix. It feels like at times, like anything masculine is mm -hmm. bad now. And that, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you as a woman saying that, Michelle, because I, I feel like it's been like anything masculine is toxic masculinity. I'm like, well, wait a second. It's not entirely like that, right? And so I think, I think what you're talking about, Dave, is just intentional. You, the intentions are very important. And if you're going to be aggressive as a man, be very clear and precise about why you're being aggressive in the whole spectrum of, of emotional states. You need to be clear why you chose that one. That, that's what mm -hmm. we do now, right? So I, I can express empathy because that's the right emotional characteristic for the time. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm going to be a bit aggressive because we're having a transactional discussion about what my lease rates are going to be. And I'm going to have a, I'm going to haggle with you. So yeah, mm -hmm. it feels a bit aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, we, but we need to do it with wisdom. And we mm -hmm. just had the world's wisdom expert with us, Judith uh, Gluck. And, and she talked a lot about what wisdom would do at scale for humanity. And it's what we've lost from the elders. 
Uh, we've really lost that wisdom piece where you have so much timeline and world things that have happened and they've survived and they need to transfer those those uh, pieces of those nuggets, we call them clinical pearls, those nuggets of wisdom, um, which is what the tribe and the community used to bestow on people when we all still lived in more community stuff as opposed to social network communities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I think part of it is that there's been so much imbalance for so long, it's almost like an overcompensation. And that that might be what to you were speaking to a day where there's this punishment of what masculine means and yeah, I think because right. it's been broken for so long it's like people are overcompensating and they're going to the other extreme I always find that the pendulum strings to like one extreme to the other until it finds its way back and I, I hold hope that it will because I think more people are beginning to understand what real masculinity is what real femininity mm-hmm. is and that they we have to have a complement of the two it's again the yin oh the yang you God, can't have yes. darkness without light yeah. you can't have yeah. light good without evil 100%. like you have to have everything yeah. So, yeah. and I think some people are starting to find their way, but I think um, some people have to go to one extreme and then bounce yeah. back and forth until they find their, their balance again. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, do you know about spiral dynamics? I, I have to ask you, I, maybe I'll ask you another Spiral time. dynamics. So, yeah. so it, would that be visually in graph no, theory? About, uh, no, kind of how evolution, evolution uh, happens in sort of like these quantum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yeah. of course. There's an okay. acceleration and slowdown and accelerations and slowdowns, yeah. And and then, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's, it sounds it sounds a, a bit like that, like what you're talking about, Michelle, with the pendulum, there's there's something similar with spiral dynamics. Things kind of have to like get to a, a breaking point and yeah. then you transcend and include. And, and I couldn't yeah. help but think of transcend and include, which is something that Ken Wilber talks about when you're talking about we have to become, like if you got rid of humans, do we be do, then we be the world becomes like this symbiotic what do you call it the symbiocene Sim, yeah this the symbiocene yeah and you're a sim, symbiont okay so it almost seems like regressive but what we the challenge now is to transcend and in, yeah. transcend the anthropocene and still exist yeah. within it not necessarily just disappear but my god that's some heavy shit for a if Thursday the transcendence comes only in your mind the symbiocene is in your mind. It doesn't exist. Like it exists in the outside world, but it's your understanding of how you best live to optimize all things, right? Mm-hmm. You want to optimize every ecosystem and every community you're in. We have consciousness. Mm-hmm. And there's a big responsibility that is incumbent upon us to respond with ability. And if we can't respond with ability, we better have a social network that supports that for everybody. Mm-hmm. I at least try to have fun with everyone at the drive. We're at least trying to have, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Have a bit of fun. Oh my god! So we'll, we'll maybe we'll end with that little light. No, Michelle, do you have anything to add? Like this? No, that's my some, head's just like it's gonna explode. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. But I, I feel like we get, like you said, it's very linear. We often get very yeah. stuck about the minutia and the details and whatever, and we forget to see the bigger picture. So yeah. it's really nice to have this reflection. And and I do think a lot of us naturopaths, including myself, like I'm, I'll totally own it. I, we all need to have that reminder. And I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah. At the conference that I was just at, by the way, I, I a lot of what I've talked about, I'm just about to write up. Well, I've already written. It's been submitted to the CANDJ. Cool. So uh, I've submitted it to Dr. Marianne Trevorrow. I'm just going to give her a shout out right now. She did a lot of work bringing the journal online. 
And it is a phenomenal experience. My whole experience of submission, copy editing, I'm published in a couple places, so I've done this before. Mm -hmm. uh, phenomenal job, and I'll be writing for the CNDJ uh, on a regular basis. And then here's one other thing. I got a little tiny thing for your audience. Um, I'm putting together what probably will be the most prescient paper on dietary acid load. And I'm submitting that to the Canadian Journal of Naturopathic Medicine. Yes, uh, so, And so I'm going to read to you from 2019, all the stuff that's come out, just really, here's my manuscript right here. Well done. Here's all the stuff for dietary acid load, then I'm going to tell you why it matters. All right. Type 2 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, obesity, hypertension, hyperuricemia, kidney dysfunction, breast cancer and prognosis, pancreatic cancer, lung cancer, colorectal cancer, migraine headaches, and overall mortality. And I have all... The references, and I go through the history of functional foods in the United States with Kimball C. Atwood. So, um, yeah, it's all in there. And what we find actually is it's probably this dietary acid load probably has to do with the equilibrium of pH in the gut as it changes. Here's how cool the science is how the membrane dynamics of the bacteria itself changes based on on the pH of the microenvironment. That's what it's doing. And you get different expressions of, of things in those cellular membranes of the bacteria. And that's likely why pH matters, but we don't know yet, but I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is. It does matter. I test bicarb on every patient. Right, yeah, 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 right. Boom, exactly. Okay, wow. When can we, you come back? Yeah, can you come back again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, we could do this on the regular because I think that, or whatever the regular is, maybe it's in six months or whatever, but planetary health is where I believe every naturopathic doctor who still believes in the principles and the oath should be going because it's in the very structure of the oath that we believe we're doing. It gives new meaning to root causes. So there's new things you can sink your teeth into. And at the end of the day, uh, you're going to make a difference in the survivability of every single living thing on the planet. Wow. So. Good luck taking the sound bite out of this one today. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay. Well, I think planetary health is the gangster shit and uh, I can't, I can't wait to talk about it again. Michelle, thank you for accompanying me or starting on this new uh, chapter of TMP with uh, bursting out of the gates with Dave Nelson, soon to be naturopathic doctor, whenever he can finish that. This is amazing. This yes. was truly amazing. Thanks really so much. Thank you so much, us. Dave. Shout I'm out to you guys, though. It's really important that people understand that you're the amplifier. If I was just talking to you, just the three of us, it would only be a conversation between the three of us. Now a whole bunch of people get to listen to this, and I'm going to encourage more naturopaths to be amplifiers. Get the message out. Awesome. Head and heart full. That's, that's right. For, that's, a hit, that's it for today. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus 
focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality, naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.